Before we get started with our teaching today, we're going to participate in our confession of faith. Uh, we do this every week as kind of an open declaration of the kind of faith we want to have as a community. And so I'll speak this confession of faith for us and then say a prayer. Gather, this is the faith we are seeking. We are seeking an expansive faith. We believe our theological system should always be growing wider and including more. We are seeking a faith rooted in the person and the practice of Jesus. We believe Jesus is God and is worthy of our worship and our imitation. We are seeking a faith built on a foundation of theological minimalism. We believe in holding tight to the first things of faith and living open-handed with the rest. We are seeking a faith marked by curiosity. We believe we should always have more questions than we do answers. And we are seeking a faith filled with compassion. We believe our beliefs are never more important than the person right in front of us. And so gather today as we prepare to open the scriptures, let's say a prayer together. God, we are here today as seekers, not seeking answers, but seeking wisdom. Not seeking doctrine, but seeking a way of life inspired by the radical love of Jesus Christ. Amen. So uh, during January and most of February, we're going to be walking through the book of Genesis together, uh, and we're going to walk through the whole narrative. And last week we looked at the creation narrative together, and uh, we talked about how the entire book of Genesis is trying to answer this kind of meta big picture question of who are we and why are we here? Who are we and why are we here? Today we're going to look at Genesis chapter 3. This is the uh, the story of the fall of man. Very encouraging stuff. Uh, I'm excited to walk through it. And um, I think most of us at least know some parts of this story. Uh, even if you didn't grow up in a religious context, you might know uh, like the characters at least. Like, you know, there was a snake and an apple, and Adam and Eve and a garden and God. You at least know some of the context. But I want to remind you that you know, the whole book is who are we and why are we here? And part of being like here in our world is that there is suffering and pain and heartache and grief and being here is really difficult. So what, what I think Genesis 3, at least the beginning of it, was God's people 3,500 years ago were trying to make sense of why being here is so difficult. <laughs> Why is there suffering? Why is there so much pain? Why is there so much death? And so this story about the snake and the apple and Adam and Eve and a garden and God, this is the story that got passed down from generation to generation to explain why being here is so painful and hard at times, right? The whole book is who are we and why are we here? And this is the story of why being here is so difficult. So we're going to walk through this. We're not going to read the entire chapter, but we're going to kind of walk through the entire narrative, and then we'll just zoom in on a couple of ideas. So the story starts, it says a serpent. We have a snake in our mind, so we'll call it a snake. That the snake has a, an interaction, a conversation with Eve. And um, the serpent is asking Eve why her and Adam aren't eating this one particular fruit off of this one particular tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And, and, and Eve is giving some responses, and, and the serpent, the snake, is kind of uh, casting doubt on her reasoning. And the serpent says in verse 4, You will not certainly die, 
the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And the serpent is saying to Eve, just eat the fruit. It's going to be, everything's going to be fine. In fact, if you eat it, you'll be like God and you'll know good from evil. And so Eve, as we all know, Eve eats the forbidden fruit. She takes it to Adam. Adam and Eve both eat the forbidden fruit. Then it says in verse 7, Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for himself. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the, cool, in the garden in the cool of day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, The woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from that tree, and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this you have done? And the woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. So God tracks them down in the garden finds out they've eaten from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And then God curses the serpent. God curses Eve and then curses Adam. And he curses them with things like painful childbearing and toiling in the fields, that the work would be hard. And he reminds them, from the dust you have come and from the dust you will return, you will die. You will die in this toilsome work. Again. Why is being here so difficult? Right, the story that was passed down from generation to generation is that God cursed humanity for this disobedient act. And then in verse 21, it says, The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. Then the Lord God said, The man has now become like one of us, knowing good and evil. He must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. So the Lord God banished him from the garden to work the ground from which he had been taken. After he drove the man out, he placed them on the east side of the Garden of Eden. He placed on the east side of the Garden of Eden cherubim and a flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. So there's a whole lot happening here, like way, way, way too much to walk through the whole thing in 20 minutes. And so I really just want to focus mostly on one verse, on verse 5. The serpent says, God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened. You will be like God, knowing good and evil. Right, this is the, what the serpent says, the snake says to Eve. If you eat the fruit, you'll be like God. But if you, but if you flip back like two pages in your Bible, to when the whole thing started, it says in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, God says, let us make humankind in our image, in our likeness. God had just said, I'm going to make humanity to be like me. We're making humans like me. Eve was made in God's likeness. Eve was already like God. And the serpent said, I don't think you're as much as you think you are. Maybe you're not enough. Maybe you're not who God says you are. This is the lie. This is the lie that the snake tells Eve. The lie is this. You're not good enough. You're not who, says God, who God says you are. You don't have enough. This is the lie because they were made 
in God's likeness. They were made to be like God. And Eve, this woman, she didn't trust who God said she was. What happens, the language I like to use when I think about this, is that she stopped trusting the voice of love. But there was a voice of love in her life saying, you are made in my likeness. You are good. You have enough here. In fact, you have everything you need. There was a voice of love. And she listened to the voice of shame that said, you aren't enough. You don't have enough. You may not be as good as you think. So Eve makes this choice. She makes a choice to not listen to and not trust the voice of love, to not trust the voice of love who made her. And when that trust goes away, when she fails to trust the voice of love, there are consequences, almost immediate consequences. Shame increases and vulnerability decreases. The shame increases. And as the shame increases, there's finger pointing, there's dishonesty. They deceived me, they told me to do this. I'm hiding from you. And the vulnerability decreases. Hiding, covering myself up, not telling the truth. Shame increases and vulnerability decreases. Running and hiding. What an image. What an image for what happens in our life. When we fail to listen to the voice of love. When we fail to remember, to acknowledge, to trust that we are made good, that we have enough, that we are given everything we need, we run and we hide. Shame increases, vulnerability decreases. And if we're not careful, we could live our entire lives running and hiding. More shame, less vulnerability. More shame, less vulnerability. We could spend our whole lives running and hiding because we don't trust the voice of love. This is the fall of man. This is the fall of humankind for all time. That we can't believe in our belonging. That we can't accept our acceptance. That we are insecure in who we are and we fail to trust the voice of love in our life that says we have everything we need. We are good. We belong. We are accepted. This has always been the downfall of humanity then and now. We can't believe our belonging. We can't accept our acceptance. And I think for us, the lesson today, the invitation today, is that we would finally and fully trust the voice of love in our life. That we would turn up the voice of love and we would turn down the voice of shame. Uh, You may remember uh, Joseph Coney from the Coney 2012 viral video. Uh, from a decade ago. I can't believe that was 10 years ago. He's the uh, leader of the Lord's Resistance Army, the LRA. They're a, uh, a group in, a militant group in Central Africa that's known for their uh, really atrocities, for their massacres of rural villages, and then a subsequent kidnapping of children, of young boys, and turning them into child soldiers. They kidnap eight, nine, ten year olds, make them child soldiers. So there was this mom from Texas named uh, Shannon Sedgwick Davis, who found out about Coney in 2006, so well before the viral video, but she was already doing uh, international nonprofit work, found out about the LRA and this man named Coney, 
and decided she wanted to get involved. And so her and her team uh, started doing all kinds of interesting and kind of wild uh, things to try to get these child soldiers to defect, to escape from the LRA. Because these young boys uh, were doing most of, um, were carrying out most of these terrible things, but they were kidnapped at eight, nine, 10 years old. They experienced incredible trauma, and then they had these voices speaking to them saying, the only way you really belong is if you stay here. The only purpose you have is if you keep doing this work. If you keep carrying out these atrocities, this is your purpose. And so uh, Shannon Cedric Davis and her team decided they really wanted to help these young boys get out of the LRA. And so um, there was uh, one boy who they did get out. He was 16. Uh, he was able to escape. He defected uh, from this militant group. And he had an idea about how to get other boys to join him. So in Uganda, he started going village to village and taking a list of what boys had been kidnapped. And then he went back to try to figure out if any of those young boys' moms were still alive. And for every mom he could find, he got audio equipment and had them record a message. And then he went back uh, to, to Shannon Davis, and together they bought the biggest speakers they could find, and they rented a helicopter. And they bolted the speakers to the helicopter, and they flew over LRA territory, and one after another, they played these audio messages from these moms. And every single mom, they had, they had a, a longer message, but every single mom said this, come home, my son. I have never stopped waiting for you. Come home, my son. I have never stopped waiting for you. And that year, 730 boys defected and escaped from the LRA because they heard the voice of love spoken over them. And hopefully for you, it won't take speakers bolted to a helicopter, but there is a voice of love calling out to you today, reminding you that you don't have to listen to the voice of shame, reminding you that you are good, that you have enough, that you belong and are accepted. There is a voice of love speaking over you today. And it has always been the downfall of humanity from Adam and Eve in the garden to you and your house today. It's why we run and hide. It's why we struggle and suffer. We fail to trust the voice of love. We fail to accept our acceptance and believe our belonging. So for you, is this story familiar to you? Not, not, the, not the apple and the snake and Adam and Eve, but the story of running and hiding, the story of increased shame and decreased vulnerability, is that story familiar to you? Maybe you have an instance that immediately comes to mind or circumstance. And for you, what voice do you most often listen to? The voice of shame and fear or the voice of love? And you just, maybe just think for yourself, what voice do I repeat back to myself? How do I speak to myself? Do I speak to myself in a voice of love or a voice of shame? And that'll tell you what voice you listen to. How do you speak to yourself with love or shame? 
Do you remind yourself that you belong and you're accepted? Or do you tell yourself you just need to do a couple more things? You need to work a little harder. You'll get there eventually. Is it a voice of shame or a voice of love that you speak to yourself? That'll tell you what you listen to most often. And what would it like for what would it look like for you to listen and trust the voice of love in your life this week? Like right now. And I think for a lot of us, it probably just starts by being able to identify the difference between these voices. To be able to say, that is not a lovely voice. That is not the voice of love. That is the voice of shame, and I will not listen to it. I think for a lot of us, it just starts by identifying and saying, that is not it. That is not it. So that when you encounter the serpent in your life, however it comes to you, you're able to say, that is fear that is shame, that's insecurity, that's scarcity, that's inequity, that is not the voice of love. It is not lovely. And I know, I just want to say, I just want to, I added this in my notes right before I started this. I just want you to know, I know it can be really difficult to point out, to determine what voice, what is the voice of love and what is the voice of shame. Because so often in our lives, it has been trusted religious leaders that have spoken the voice of shame into our life. Voices that tell us we're not enough, that we need to do more. Voices of insecurity. Voices of scarcity. It's been people who look like me, who stand on stages like this. Sometimes the wolf comes in sheep's clothing, and sometimes they, sh they choose the shepherds. And I know that it makes it really difficult. If you've had that experience, to determine what is the voice of love and what is the voice of shame. I know. And I love you, and I'm so sorry. So maybe this week, it just starts by being able to identify these things, be able to call it out and say, that is not the voice of love, and I will not listen to it. But the invitation of this story is to listen and trust the voice of love in your life that says you already belong, you are already accepted, you are already good enough, you already have everything you need. So at the end of this passage, it says um, that God banishes Adam and Eve out of the garden. Banishes them out, sends them out. So when I was a kid, uh, I heard this kind of gospel uh, metaphor and imagery over and over again called The Bridge. Maybe you've heard it or seen it. I'm going to uh, throw a graphic up now. It looks like this, where humanity is on one side of the mountain. God is on the other side of the mountain, and it requires Jesus and the death of Jesus for us to have access to God. And I get the logic, and there's plenty of technical theological things uh, that I could use to critique this, but mostly this imagery got so ingrained in me that my interpretation of this story of Genesis 3 was that when Adam and Eve were banished from the garden, when they left the garden that day, that God stayed put. That God stayed in the safety and the glory of the garden. That was my interpretation because of this image of the bridge. But God didn't stay in the garden. When God banished Adam and Eve, God went with them. The good news isn't that God is far away and distant. And if we believe the right things and behave the right way, then we'll get access to God. That is not 
good news. The good news is this. Even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we will fear no evil for God is with us. The good news is this, what Jesus proclaimed, that the kingdom of God is in our midst, that the kingdom of God is within us. And so today, I hope that you make a choice, that you take a step in the direction of listening to the voice of love. It's loud in our building here. I hope you make this choice today to take a step in the direction of listening to the voice of love. I hope you, you do what you can to not fall into the trap of humanity that says we should be ashamed because we're not enough. But no matter what, no matter your choices, no matter your beliefs, no matter your circumstances, no matter what, the voice of love sings over you today. You are found. You are treasured. And you are not alone. God is with you today. You are not alone. And so gather, this is my prayer for us today. Beloved, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. This is the voice of love in your life. Do not be deceived. Accept your acceptance and believe your belonging. May it be so. Amen. We're going to participate in a couple moments of silence and reflection. Uh, there'll be some prompts on the screen uh, that you can pray through if that's helpful. And then at the end of that time, uh, will be led through our gospel proclamation and then sent out with our benediction.